0: We are back for episode two of uh, the Deployed Cast. Um, today's talk of it, we're going to be talking about ministry in the army, um, specifically what it looks like as I work with chaplains, and then myself being a 56 Mike, uh, or a religious affairs specialist formerly known as the chaplain's assistant, which I dearly wish that we'd still use that terminology, um, but I'll get into that just a little bit later. Um... We're also going to kind of see what we kind of do throughout the week and how we fit in overall with like a unit or what we do and our purpose and stuff. So there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I won't be able to talk about everything. Um, If there's questions from people, then we can field those questions at some point and I can go a little bit more in depth with certain things. But I'm just going to touch some of the main questions that people normally ask me whenever they want to know about my job. So, let's start off with the chaplains first. So, I work with chaplains within the military, and there are several chaplains that have different faith backgrounds and stuff. If you look at the chaplaincy as a whole, a large majority of them are going to be lumped together as Protestants. So, Protestant covers Baptists, it covers uh, Lutheran, it covers Methodist, it covers LDS, it covers anybody outside the realm, really, of Catholicism. That leads me to my next chaplain, which I'll say is the Catholic priest. Um, I've worked with one of those people before. They're great individuals, congregations, just like anything else. You know, they they have good and bad sides of them, just like the Protestant chaplains do and stuff. But they'll cover our Catholic services and stuff. And my first chaplain was a Catholic chaplain, and he was great. And I've got some great stories from Father Bendorf, so we'll share some of those. And then the next one we have our our lesser density, um, high demand faith chaplains, I would say. So those would be your imams, your Jewish rabbis, and your Buddhist monks are the ones that I'm tracking right now. I think that's all of the ones that are available right now through the army. Um, there might be more. I know that people are always trying to get in with different things and stuff, but the army is very protective of what, uh, they allow into the military as chaplaincy goes, so you gotta go through a whole process, and I think those are the five branches that have been covered, and I, the, the newest one's Buddhist, I know that we just got an approval for Buddhist, so they were just going through Tribal back in 2008, and then the one before that would have been, uh, an imam, so the, those are the two newest ones. That we have within the within the army from the last 30-ish years i would say so religious affairs specialists which is what i do um can be placed with any type of chaplain faith background or whatever religious affairs specialist or chaplain's assistant does not have to have a faith background they can be an atheist they can be agnostic they can be a wiccan they can be nordic they can be anything under the sun, they can be a Christian, a Catholic, whatever, and be a chaplain's assistant or a religious affairs specialist. It does not matter. They are just there to help with the day-to-day stuff and make sure that the chaplain is taken care of overall. Our core job of what we do is, at the bottom line, we are the bodyguard whenever we get deployed course, I've been told by more than one individual, more than one unit, that if I have to use my weapon or my skill training set to protect the chaplain, that it's been a terrible day in the office and everybody is either dead or captured. So that's one of the things that always makes me feel good is that we are one of the last resources to protecting the the chaplain. And a lot of people take the job Even if they are not a religious person, as they would turn themselves, that's what I hear a lot of times, I'm not a religious person. Even if they're not a religious person, they take the job extremely seriously of making sure the chaplain is taken care of and stuff. So even if they're not coming to chapel, even if they don't believe in all that, some term it hoodoo or whatever, whenever we talk about our faith, they still love the chaplain because they understand the chaplain is a positive person and a positive force within the unit and for the soldiers. So, anyway, we we do that kind of thing. As a 56 Mike, my job entails doing paperwork, administrative stuff. I plan events for the chaplain if they want something done. Things such as a Sunday service, a Bible study, a prayer breakfast. Uh, Maybe they do, like, a fun run at some point. We make sure all the wheels turn. So the chaplain has the great ideas, and then we make those ideas reality as best we can. It is really just a fulfilling job i started this job like i said back in 2008 on active duty and i've been doing the reserves and stuff now and i love every second of it i really am here for a different reason than a lot of 56 mics are um you know a lot of a lot of people just want to help they just want to help people and be nice to soldiers and stuff and i'm i'm here for so much more i'm literally here for the ministry aspect of it that's why i joined up that's why I stayed close to the chaplains and stuff because my, my course, my goal, of course, I've got my undergrad in youth ministry and stuff, but my, my course is to to try and get that four-year Master of Divinity so that we are able to then launch into chaplaincy, hopefully one day. And of course, as the Lord wills, maybe maybe that's not something that will fulfill, but that is, that is the end goal at this point in time. So weekly, what my week looks like, I'll... You know i'll do i'll start with monday so monday tuesday wednesday um, we're getting in the office we're figuring things out we will have soldiers that come and find us or maybe their leadership contacts us so that we can reach out to them and try to bring them in to to see the chaplain to have a counseling session per se or just to kind of shoot the breeze and see how life is so that we can make a judgment on uh you know where the soldiers at and stuff mentally Emotionally, spiritually, and stuff. We also do things like send up reports, you know, on services. That's a big part of something that we do, um, keeping track of all that. And if we are in charge of a chapel at that point, like I was back from 2008 to about 2011, we recover from the weekend, Monday, Tuesday, pick things up, clean things up, clean up your your restrooms, clean up your, uh, your pews and stuff because we are the people that maintain the chapel and it's very important to us for it to look nice and fresh and available for use whenever it's whenever it's required and stuff so how i fit in overall um i mean the fit the fits kind of what i told you like within the unit i myself I'm always floating around. I'm listening to individuals. I listen into to conversations sometimes. And I try to make sure that people are taken care of. Uh, because there are conversations that are had at certain points. And we listen to these conversations. And the people that are involved are not actually listening. They are just trying to get information that they want and or fix the issue or whatever without actually listening so it is my job to make sure that I listen first and make sure that the soldiers are okay so since I've been here uh, the last month or so a lot of conversations and stuff happen I walk up conversation continues I hear things about issues or problems or you know man I'm just really tired or I haven't been getting a whole lot of sleep there's something going on at home and, and a lot of soldiers will just automatically open up to me. They just kind of automatically come towards me and just feel very comfortable opening up, this, you know, which is very nice. But there's a lot of times where I'm walking around and I'm listening in and stuff. And I'll go back to the chaplain, whoever I'm working with, and say, Hey, sir, ma'am, um, this soldier over here, Sergeant so-and-so, uh, Sergeant you know, Bob, needs needs a a little bit more than than a casual touch. Maybe we can go and find a time where Sergeant Bob's kind of by himself and ask him how his family's doing because he was saying that his wife's struggling with this or maybe he's having a hard time with the kids as a single dad, so you know, we make sure that we double tap that kind of stuff. Whenever I go into a room, whenever we're doing training and stuff, I am constantly listening and looking to try to figure out what people's body language is like. Are they somebody that jokes a lot and they're just kind of sitting off by themselves are they on their phone all the time not really communicating with anybody anybody that's separating themselves from community or is not connecting with the community i definitely make an extra effort to talk to those people so that's kind of you know some of the stuff i do we get into the the wednesday thursday friday mix Normally, there's a Bible study some some point throughout there, so I facilitate that by getting the room and stuff ready and and making sure that I support the chaplain. What that looks like on our deployment right now, on our mobilization while we are in Texas, is Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, we have prayer time, and I will play a singular song on the guitar, just kind of a a song of meditation slash mm, take a moment and get your heart right, and then we will... The chaplain will speak briefly if she would like to speak. Sometimes she just breaks us up into groups, and we will go and pray for about 30 minutes. We'll take prayer requests, praises, um, teach a little bit about prayer, and then pray. And I cannot tell you how many prayer requests have been answered so far just from doing that. Um, it's, It's one of my joys to say that I am being deployed with a female chaplain that is a prayer warrior, and... That is something that, I'll be honest, in my day and age, I very rarely see prayer warriors come about, and she is definitely that person, and it is very, very exciting to, to be a part of a team like that. Um, and then, so we get the Bible studies done and the prayer prayer meetings and stuff. Sometimes there's a morale event, maybe on a Friday, maybe we, you know, open the chapel up, plug in a, a projector and stuff, and plug in some speakers and have a movie night, Um, And then, of course, we start focusing on the weekend, which Sunday, you know, comes for us and we control the Protestant service here for right now. And so throughout the week, I've been practicing my songs and picking out things. Basically what any normal music minister would do, if there are soldiers that are around that play instruments, I try to make sure that I include them in the service they will always find you. Musicians, especially in the military, will always find you. They are so desperate to play their instrument. You just have to give them the opportunity. If you open that door, they will come. Um, One of the things that I used to do at Fort Gordon for the four years that I was there, helping lead worship at the contemporary service because we had AIT soldiers that were, made up a large majority of our congregation. Uh, whenever the weather was warm enough, I would open up the front doors of the chapel in the morning down there in Fort Gordon and I would just start playing. I'd start picking three songs that I was going to play throughout the day and nine times out of ten, there would be some musician that was walking around AIT land that didn't have anything to do for that morning. It was brand new to Fort Gordon hear the music, knew it was live music, and come and find me. I found so many guitarists doing that. Um, I found drummers doing that. They would just literally walk into the chapel, um, almost like a moth drawn to the flame. And I remember myself, whenever I was in basic training, I was desperate, so very desperate, just for a guitar. I found one in the back corner of a chaplain's closet, and I was like, hey, if you get me strings, the tuner and guitar strap i will play music for you and that's what i ended up doing in in basic training so i know that the other musicians like are desperate to play and you know the chapel is one of those places where music and instruments can be found almost readily available Um, for this deployment in particular i actually went out and bought a martin backpacker um, because of the design and stuff if you want to look that up just google martin backpacker guitar should kind of look like a small triangular lute, and you know i'll be able to strap that to my pack and take my music wherever i go so um, i get all that stuff done i arrange either powerpoints or media shout depending on what system the chapel has or i have availability to and we put the songs in and we put the message together for the chaplain make sure that we're hitting all the high points and all the announcements and stuff. And then, of course, it's just kind of like a regular Sunday service, except a lot of us are in uniform and we have short haircuts. So we kind of go through that thing. And a service for us, like I said, you get a full smattering of Protestants from different backgrounds, um, from different Protestant faith groups and stuff. And so you don't know if you're going to get a more liturgical, traditional, or you could get a more contemporary and modern. So it really just depends on the chaplain and what they're doing. Like I said, for me, I come for the ministry, so no matter what happens, I will support the chaplain's play. Um, If they want me to play, then I can. If they don't want me to, then I don't. But I always make sure that the service takes off. Um, You know, we set up the altars, we set up lecterns with pulpits, and, you know, there's different variations uh, with different faith groups and stuff. So that's one of the things that we really look at whenever like we go through our AIT training and stuff. And it's, it's a very exciting job. It's very fulfilling. We had a Sunday morning, um, whenever we first got here, our first Sunday, kind of the transition for the unit that was here, they had a chaplain and and a chaplain assistant, And they were heading out the door to Kuwait, and we were taking over the next week. But uh, that service, there's about 120 chairs, I believe, in this chapel, and 80 80 of them were filled that that chapel, and that was just a great time. I had almost a full band. I had a bass player. I had a drummer. I had a backup vocalist and stuff, and that was just a huge blessing because, you know, no matter what the skill set the point is to make a joyful noise unto the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. So, and that, that was accomplished. And then, like, um, this week, uh, this weekend, um, our Palm Sunday, it is today. So, we had about 42. And your numbers will always fluctuate in places like this as people come and go and they ebb and flow. Um, but, yeah, so we had about 42 here. And it was a great Palm Sunday. Um whenever I planned out my music for this week, I really focused on Luke 19, where the teachers approached Jesus, the Pharisees approached Jesus, and they said, look, you need to you know, calm your disciples down. And Jesus replies to them, of course, if I told them to be quiet, then the rocks themselves would cry out. So um, that's really what I focused on because I told the people this morning in the congregation that came, I said, if we cannot, Sing with the passion to to drown out the rocks. Then you know, you know what? Why are we lifting the joyful noise and stuff? You know, and sometimes, sometimes it's just not there. Sometimes that just doesn't happen in our lives. But this this morning, I really wanted to call people just to sing, sing out, sing out loud, and um, just not be afraid of those that were around them and stuff. And and I'll tell you what, most of my congregations that have soldiers involved in them, they're not afraid to sing. They're some of the most impassioned singers. And when you get a room full of 400 uh, majority male voices, but whenever you get a room of 400 voices just joining in the chorus to a praise song, um, you just have to step back and let God do things. Because at that point, you are just a person that is a part of something that will happen in heaven and you're just walking side by side with them into the throne room it's just amazing And so every time i pick up that guitar and stuff i always remind myself that it's for the congregation that we that we sing praises to our heavenly father it's it's to help them walk side by side into the presence of the lord we're no greater on that stage than, than the people that are standing in the congregation and this is for the lord first and foremost this is for the lord And, you know, um, how that kind of happens and how that kind of looks is that, you know, I have to select songs that everybody knows and that everybody can be a part of. So I've got people coming from small churches that do hymns to large contemporary churches that are, you know, playing the newest stuff every single week, um, to even places like Pleasant Grove, where I come from, where there's an excellent mix of, uh, the hymn and the contemporary and stuff. So you know, I take, I take those lessons that I learned, um, back, way back when, whenever I got in the army from other chaplains, and I applied those, and so, you know, maybe, maybe my sets look like, um, opening song, you know, contemporary, middle song might be a hymn, and then a closing song, you know, might be something that's more modern, maybe not as contemporary, so, um, but all the songs, you know, the song will look like, you know, 10, 20 years old, um, something within the past five years, and then a hymn, you know. Those are the three that, if I if I sing something in in that variety in a in a music set and stuff for the worship, that I connect. At least one song connects with the with the soldier, no matter where they're from. So uh, it's always really fun and exciting. So we have we have good times with it. Uh, and let's get into the stories from the week. I promise stories, and I have three stories. Um, we have we have a death, a birth, and a life that was spared this week. So let's get into the death. Um, we had a unit show up from Michigan, National Guard, a signal battalion that shows up. And before they get on ground, we get word that one of their soldiers, as they were coming to the unit to be dropped off for the deployment, um, died in a car accident. Uh, she was sitting in the backseat of a vehicle. They got stopped in construction, and there was a individual in a truck that wasn't paying attention to the construction site and didn't see the vehicle stopped, and rear-ended the vehicle she was in. She was in the backseat and was killed instantly. And... A lot of the soldiers, several of the soldiers that were coming to this final send-off that the governor actually was a part of, um, drove by the accident, really didn't think much of it, and then the soldier that was very reliable, never-miss-movement-type deals, you know, they they kind of put two and two together. The accident was right there by our house, and uh, it, it really shook this entire battalion to the core. National Guard... Um, More so than reserves, but National Guard especially because most of them all of them are from the state They spend a lot of time together. They spend years together and the reserves we get moved around Every three to four years or as promotion takes us we can get moved from unit to unit work with several different people um, and stuff, but in the National Guard there's so many slots within a state and so you might get stuck in the same building for six seven years and know the same people for six or seven years throughout your career. And that was kind of the case with this soldier. She had been part of a company and stuff. And we went to the memorial ceremony for her and it was put on by her chaplain and her 56 Mike. And it was a great ceremony. They had really good guidance from a senior chaplain that had covered uh, Arlington for three years and he was here as a trainer and stuff for our mobilization and stuff, and he did a phenomenal job guiding them and making sure that they put together something that was brand new for them. Uh, but, you know, he guided them to what was probably one of the, the top three or four um, memorial ceremonies that I've seen put together with, with such short notice and stuff. And, you know, it was... It was really good. Um, They talked about her life and who she was. And uh, the soldier tribute was from an NCO that had actually had her stay in his house for a time whenever she needed a place to stay. And then, uh, you know, you had the the command teams and stuff talk about her and stuff as well. And the chaplain gave a really moving speech uh, just about uh, how much of a family they were and stuff. But that's the thing, with, with these ceremonies, we're still reminding the soldiers as they're in the healing process, that the mission still needs to move forward. And though we don't forget the soldier that passed away, we still have to carry that banner forward. And we do it in the most gracious and gentle way possible without being overbearing, without shouting it down into their faces. But we do have to keep moving that message that just because somebody passed away does not mean that we can stop. And I foresee that some soldiers are going to have a harder time getting over this than others. Um, and they will need more counseling from chaplains, behavioral health specialists, or whatever. And then there will be people that, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, are good with a the ceremony. They walk out. They're fine. They've cried. And that was their cathartic moment. And they're done. And they're ready to move on. So... With all that being said, you know, that was, that was our our death uh, that we had to deal with. And it wasn't ours, and I sat through the ceremony, and these ceremonies do not get any easier. You start thinking back through the people you've buried and the names that are on the list that hang heavy in your head and in your heart. And it's, it is not ever an easy time. it doesn't get any easier and in my mind of course i'm playing dozens and dozens of ceremonies that i've been a part of and services and thinking about soldiers and it really just kind of takes you back to times and places um, and it's it's hard it's not an easy thing and this moment in time will be locked with these soldiers forever every single time they have another one of these, this moment in time will be brought back to them. So um, you got to kind of keep that in mind while you're doing these things. So with that being said, we started on a low note and I'm going to go up from here. Um, our prayer night a week ago, we had a soldier that accepted the lord as her savior and that was really really awesome just a sweet sweet specialist that works in our s1 shop she she does great work she's always positive she she always asks me how i'm doing in the day and stuff um you know says klaus how's it going it's and it's really really great um the chaplain has been praying for for people to to really start asking that, that salvation question if they've been struggling with it and stuff. And this soldier was the first one on this deployment, and um, I don't see it slowing down anytime any time because, believe me, when there is prayer happening, things will move, and it is, it's it's going to be incredible to watch. I, I see her as the first one, but definitely not the last. Um, but as, as we move forward and stuff, I know that the chaplain will take special interest and And guiding her and building her up and and uh, making sure that she's walking in such a way that we're strengthening this new christian in christ the best that we can and we're not just leaving them out there um asking questions to the sky about what do i do now and how does this all work and i thought life was supposed to be perfect so uh, we're really looking forward to nurturing that soldier's new found relationship with christ third story. So this one right here really gets to me. Um, we had a soldier that was feeling ill um, and was just trying to knuckle down and be be a really good senior NCO. Just knuckle down and be the soldier that you know, pushes through. I'm just under the weather a little bit. I can make it. I can make it. I can make it. Um, and that culminated into four days of trying to push through. And then he was sent to the hospital by the command and by his leadership finally. And when he got there, um, come to find out that he's a diabetic. Never knew that he's 41 years old. And now he's been diagnosed as a diabetic. And Um, He had numbers off the chart. I think they were in the 800s or something, sugar-level-wise. He had an A1C of, like, 10 or 11, I think. Like, it was crazy. Uh, Some of the stuff that he was telling us that we could share and stuff now. And um, it was was told to him at the hospital, and then it was shared with us later, that if he would have gone to sleep on that night that he went to the hospital, he would have never woken up. Um, of course, like I said, he wasn't tracking any of this. He wasn't aware of any of this. And now he has a whole life change ahead of him. Like everything is changed ahead of him. And, you know, for me in my job, what that looks like is that, you know, we've got, you know, a soldier that's completely, completely different from, from what he was thinking was going to happen and stuff. And so the chaplain and I are now working on resources to take care of this soldier and make sure that um, that he's he's taken care of from here on out, just with uh, resources and availability, and making sure that there's nothing more that we as a unit can do to make sure that this transition for him is as smooth as possible. Um, as you know, as he does end up getting sent home and not going on this mobilization and stuff, so. These are things that we come up against. These are the the issues, the heartaches, the struggles that, that we deal with from time to time. But I cannot say enough about the life that was spared this week with him. Because we could have been doing our own memorial. We could have been dealing with a loss right out the door like the Michigan unit. And believe me, it sets a tone. And you have to climb a mountain to get back on top of that sometimes and really check in on people and make sure that the healing process is taking effect and stuff. And I'm very grateful, at least for our 69 souls that we have on ground here, that um, that didn't happen to us and that this life was spared and that he had a, a captain that finally stood up and said, look, send the soldier to the hospital, please. Like, you know, they, they knew and the leadership knew, you know, and he didn't, like I said, even though his captain finally stood up to the, the NCO and said, "Look, stop trying to self doubt. We're not playing this by ear anymore. I really feel like you need to go." And you know the, you know the BC and the command sergeant major and the XO, um, they really supported the soldier going. I mean, they we we're gonna get the missions done. But at the end of the day, if the soldier's not able to do the missions, then the missions aren't gonna get completed. So, And they really took that to heart. And we've just got a great group of leadership going with us. And I can't say enough about it. But, you know, everybody that worked together, you know, we really saved that soldier's life. And there are angels that are walking amongst us that, you know, like I said, with the power of prayer that's going on through here, with the prayer in the chapel every few days, I really believe that, It's setting us up for something greater and larger than we can ever know and it's super exciting to see just everything that's that's coming around I mean uh, we've got you know just a little while longer and um, we'll be heading out from here and a little while and we'll hit Kuwait and we'll hit the ground running and This has been a great time, a very fun time in Texas, just to kind of gauge how the ministry is gonna work, how it's gonna ebb and flow, and making sure that we take a knee when we need to take a knee. Because the ministry here in the army, it's it's very intense. The mission field here in the army is very intense. Like we are moving in and out, making sure missions are accomplished and Soldiers take hits all the time. We get Red Cross messages about family members dying, about people getting sick, about houses getting lost, or, you know, whatever it is. And you have to take that into consideration while still trying to finish the mission. And you don't want to push the soldiers too far to where the individual breaks. And there's always a balance. How do you bring the peace and love of Christ into their life in the midst of not necessarily the chaos of war, but the machine that is ultimately the army and the military, you know, it always pushes forward. People fall off of it. People retire from it. But the machine pushes forward. Um, a command sergeant major that might retire, you know, one day, the next in the next two or three weeks is forgotten. You know, because there's a new command sergeant major that's there, doing the job, pushing the pushing the stuff forward. And so, um, it's really. A cry to chaplains especially, but a cry to all military veteran members that we make sure that our battle buddies are not forgotten after we retire and stuff. We make sure that we're checking up on them. And it's not just a thank you for your service. It's it's more than that. It's, look, there's a constant taking care of that individual that was in the military and is a veteran. That's why I work with groups like Mission 22 and the Veterans Club of Kentucky. Because that's what it's all about. Making sure that soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guard, all of them, Space Force now, um, are really taken care of and really supported even after they hang up that uniform in their closet. And those are just memories. So that's what I have for this week. Um, Just a great week overall, ministry-wise. it was a it was a marathon week some weeks are some weeks are easier than others but with the memorial and with everything that was going on with the soldier we didn't have a whole lot of information from the soldier in my unit until a little bit later on and stuff as we're trying to get all this stuff checked off it was just wonderful to get good news on him and stuff and um as always be praying for the Michigan michigan national guard folks as they push forward um just just a, a rough way to start, a mobilization, and they really went through it emotionally, mentally, and so it's it's going to take some, some spiritual spiritual aspects of this to heal all that, so anyway, um, things at the home front right now, the wife is entering the, the final stretches of being pregnant, so I'm just waiting for a text or a phone call at some point over the next month to where I will be piping in through the internet to watch baby lucas be born so we were happy about that so far everything's to come back checked good and um, she's just ready to get the baby out and to get a routine and life started with him as best she can so keep them in your thoughts and prayers um, eli's doing great um, i talked to other family members and stuff and happy happy birthday to my sister who turned 34 on friday april the 8th Sorry, I couldn't be there, but of course, I was with you in spirit. I hope my spirit had a steak and potato from Colby's. I hope it was good. So, anyway, Song of the Week this week is 10,000 Raisins. Just bless the Lord of my soul. Bless the Lord of my soul. Worship his holy name. So, be good. Be faithful. Build community. Accept accountability. Love one another. God made you perfect just the way you are. And have a great week. Bye.